Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Experience the unconventional, the unpredictable, and the completely unorthodox with rule-free Ian Lee. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. I've got no internet for the last four days. On Talk Radio. Here we go. It's going to be one of those shows because uh, while while we're waiting... For the show to, uh, the engine to ignite and the thing to start taking off on its own steam, engines and steam, we've been talking about football and that that really um, gets my iry, I get iry when I, I my ire gets higher. Uh, the late night alternative, I'm so tired. The late night alternative with Ian Lee, Catherine Boyle is here. Word. Mark Mason is the pervert that's dragged football kicking and screaming into this studio. God damn it. We were just talking about our kids playing football. And here's the thing. You're right. I don't like football. And I'm going to go and watch my boy, eldest boy, play football tomorrow. And I'll, I'll love it. And also, I love I love doing dad duty. I love dad duty. It's one of the greatest things. So I'll go and stand in the field for an hour and watch it. Maybe we'll be a joy. Then I'll go and get a haircut. Um, but I hate the game of football. But I like playing FIFA on the PlayStation. Oh, do you? Isn't that strange? That's, that's, you you'll get nice and close to these that's ones. A vid- uh, that's a video game love yes. rather than a football love, isn't yes, it? Yes. And, and apparently Messi, like Lionel Messi, now even Ian's going to have heard of Lionel Messi. Of course I have, yes. And he plays it, and apparently all the real footballers are very good on the video games yeah. as well. And he plays it online, but not as himself. And so oh. he's playing against someone in one wow. of the. I don't understand the internet or anything. But yeah. you, apparently you can play. You against can go online people. and play people. And he plays against people, and they don't know that they're playing against Lionel Messi. Wow! One of my favourite things at the moment is watching Scottish comedian Limmy going online playing a game called Overwatch, which is like you run around <laughs> shooting game, game set in space. But the people that play it take it very, very seriously. I'm sure. Limmy has accepted he is addicted to this game. He's addicted to it. So the only way he can break the addiction is by getting banned from it. So, And the way to get banned is you go into people's games who take it very seriously, <laughs> and then you play atrociously, and you, 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 you try and slow down your team. And everyone in the team goes, oh, we're going to report you for this, man. This You're an ass. Well, this goes back to what I was going to say a second ago when we started talking about football. I may have tried to convert you to football before with this fact. Okay. Because we know that Ian is of an age with me, and he likes facts like me. Yeah. And I, I'm sure I must have told you, if you ever get stuck with the equivalent of that sort of computer video game nerd... Yeah. If you ever get stuck with a football nerd yep. at a party Go on. and you want to out-football them, mm. um, ask them what makes Hull City unique amongst all the top 92 league clubs. Have I done this one? The look on your face tells me I haven't done this before. Do you know the answer? I don't remember this one, Sorry. but I'm just thinking it'd be great with Cundy. I, I suspect he's... In fact, I know for a fact that he used... Yes, 
I know for a fact he knows it. Yes. Oh, does he? Because I've done it before on his show. Um, ah. The uh, hang, whoa, 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 of the top on, four. Oh, he's, you've, been, you've been on Jason Cundy's show. Yeah, but I was on Goldstein. It was Goldstein. It was Goldstein. Am I? Is that allowed? I've diluted it by fifty percent. There is that. It was longer than yesterday ago. They will have both forgotten. Oh, go on. I don't know. Go on. Top four team. Top four divisions have ninety-two teams in. Of all those teams, Hull City is the only. And the beauty is, you get a football nerd at a party, and I'll go. Are they the only ones who won the FA Cup and then were relegated? to following it and I'll go through all that stuff and you tell them no they're the only one whose name contains no letters that you can colour in wow Ooh. isn't that a lovely fact <laughs> we should introduce Mark he's been on the show before and um, we tweet each other occasionally so some of you know he's uh, um, uh, a writer an author has written well it must be about half a dozen books you've done now overall I'm sorry to say it's 21 uh. But I, I'll ask for 15 of those to be taken into account I, I've, when you sentence I've, me. I've read half a dozen of your books. I've read the, the half a dozen good ones. Um, and so let's quick quick recap of the ones that we have talked about before. The postcode book where you investigated every postcode. Yeah. I think the first one we ever did was Land's Enter John O'Groats by Local Bus. Oh, such a ridiculous, that wonderful was... thing. You, well, you did it by, by, was... by bus, not by, but not by coach, not by... You know, but by actual bus, the number three nine one from Carlisle to whatever the nearest town. Yeah. I can't remember any of the numbers now. Um, I bet. So if you, I bet if you sat down no, and no, thought no, about no, it, no, you no, could. No, no. <laughs> I know some facts, Ian, but I have got something of a personality. Okay, okay. so okay, <laughs> good. I'm glad. That, I'm glad <laughs> that I cannot remember any of the bus numbers. Um, so there was that, and then I don't think we've ever actually spoken about my London book, which I'm always intrigued by. No, three people are sitting here now. Yeah. None of us from London originally, but we all have had London figure in our lives yeah. heavily. The, the walk in the lines. Yeah, that's well, where we met at BBC London. Yeah, no, I, was that what we talked about? Yeah. Or was it? Yeah, that was that. I'm sure of it. I was I was filling in for. They used, they used to get me to fill in for Robert Elms on BBC London. All right, it's notes and queries, and I'm sure that was the book. Yeah, tell us about this book. See what? Yeah, London, London Underground. Love it. Um, I'm sure that was it. I'm, I'm sure that was it. Sure. Just, oh God, this is my memory now. It's just. Go on. What do you think? I'm fairly it was? sure that when I did the, that program for that book, that was with Robert himself. Incorrect. And then I think that. Yes, no, it was, we did it the bus book, and then I was telling you about the London book afterwards. Oh, and you said, he's good. Will you send me a copy? So I sent him a copy of that. And he's good. And then you can't out fact the fact man. I want to I fact him up, but I just can't. You're absolutely right. Okay, but it's one, it's one nil to you. Come onto my <laughs> turf, and you've won one nil. Uh, okay, so that was a book about the London Underground. And you walked the whole tube system the overground. Tube, uh, overground. Yeah. It's a great book. Full of such crucial facts as um, St. John's Wood being the only tube station whose name shares no letters it's always letters and colouring yeah. St John's Wood is the only one whose name shares <laughs> no letters with the word mackerel oh. uh, which I did at a talk a few years ago and someone there said the questions at the end she put her hand up she said I loved the mackerel one she said do you know the one about Pimlico I said no she said Pimlico is the only London underground station to share no letters with the word badger and there's just something about the word badger. It always works in talks. I saw a badger do... running across the road last night. Did I live you? in the countryside now. Badger run across the road. And last big, aren't they? Friday, uh, literally two feet in front of my car as I'm turning into my street, dark uh, country lane, an owl flew in front of my car. It was incredible. Um, Jimmy, I don't think quite... So you're here to talk about your new book, Mark. <laughs> the, the Book of Seconds, right? But I don't think Jimmy, who's tweeted us, okay. quite understands why you're here. OK, go on. He says, sorry, it's football, Ian, but can you ask him, who was the last non-league football team to reach the FA Cup final? This isn't, this isn't challenge, Mark, on football facts, but... Um, so it's going to be back in the 19th century, but... Is it? Yeah. 
The last team from outside England to win it were Cardiff City in 1923. Okay. Um, has he given you the answer? No, he's not. Um, can, he, can he tweet us again with the answer? Then? You need to tweet us the answer, please, uh, Jimmy. We, we, need to, we need to know what the hell is going on there. Actually, to, to, said he... Read, I promise you I'm not trying to get it around to the book, but I've just remembered that the second... Because the book is the book of seconds. Yeah. The second FA Cup final is in there. And it's uh, one of the players in that uh, second FA Cup final uh, was famous as the the Wizard of... Not the Wizard of Dribble, that was someone else. He was famous as... <laughs> as no, no, no. The, Stanley Matthews was known as the Wizard of Dribble. because he could boys are known as the Wizard you'll of know, Dribble. You'll know this being a massive football fan. Yeah. Um, he was the Prince of Dribblers or something like that. And back in those days... The team that had scored kicked off. Well, they've changed it now. But if you scored a goal, okay. you then kicked off. You to restart the game when they put the ball on the centre circle, you kicked off. So he once managed to score a hat trick without the opposition wow. even touching the ball. Because he scored one goal, he kicks off again, yeah. dribbles it around all the players, scores a dribble, and did the same thing again. So he scored a hat trick without anyone else touching I've the ball. I've told you my way to make football exciting, haven't I? Go on. Double football. Or two football. Two, well, no, 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 it's even better than that. Or if, if we're going to sell it to America, we'll call it super soccer. So you have a square football pitch with goals on each side. You've got four goals mm. and you have four teams playing. Oh, okay. And you're allowed to score in any of the three other goals. Okay? That's great. So you've got four teams playing, so it's kind of mayhem. And then, and I randomly, for like three minute intervals throughout the game, the referee is allowed to put in a second football whenever he feels like this it. This is like Quidditch, basically. It, yeah, but isn't that be great? Double football. And I would watch that. I'd love that. The but, well, you know, for real, when the Americans had the World Cup in 1994, they genuinely were trying to get FIFA to allow the games to be played in quarters yeah. rather than halves. For the advertising. To allow more advertising, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, well, the book is the book of seconds. Mark Mason, I'll t- I've tweeted the link already. I'll tweet it again in oh, a bit. Bless you, so this is, there's always books of firsts. First man who ran the four-minute mile, first man on the moon, first this, first that. These are all the people that came second and have perhaps been overlooked by history. The people you've never heard of. Right. And we had the idea, my editor and I had the idea, we were sitting there chatting one day, and uh, one of us mentioned Roger Bannister. And, and I said, well, he was the second guy to run a four-minute mile. Wow. And, it's, and, of course, you've, none of us have no. ever heard of him. Unless you're listening in Australia, when he became quite successful as an Australian politician. And somebody corrected me very rightly on yeah. Twitter the other day. Yeah. But most of us have never heard of John Landy. And it's really unfair, because with a lot of these seconds, it's complete... It's not complete luck, but a lot of it is luck as to which one gets there first. Yeah. He and Roger Bannister, both fantastic athletes, both really knocking up against the four-minute mark. One of them is going to break it sooner or later. Happens to be Bannister. He did 359.6. Three weeks later, John Landy does 357 point something. So he takes two seconds off it. That world record stood for three years. Bannister stood for three weeks. John Landy stood for three years. A couple of years later, at a race in Australia, he was running a 1500 metres race. One One of his rivals fell over. Landy doubled back to check that this guy was okay. Then started running the race again, caught up the leaders and won the gold medal. Did he break the world record? Oh, you're just setting the bar. Well, then I'm not interested. <laughs> I was Roger Bannister's 359.6. Yeah. Anyone else suspicious about that? Because that was in the olden days. So they did, <laughs> I, Honestly, I, I heard a thing about Bannister a oh, few months ago. Oh, hand stopwatch and all that. The yeah, hand stopwatch. No, I think they had... They, they used to have more than one person 359.6? Yeah. That's very precise. The one that people were suspicious about was the second guy, or the first guy to swim the channel. Mm. And he always crops up, quiz questions and all that. He's quite well known. Captain Matthew Webb, 1875. Mm. Second guy, Bill Burgess from Rotherham. Yeah. 
swims the channel. It takes 36 years and 80 attempts you before someone manages to do it. <laughs> Sorry, cheap joke. It takes 36 years, 80 attempts before someone manages it again. Yeah. When Bill Burgess finally manages it in 1911, and I'll tell you a couple of things about it in a minute, but just to tie it into what I'm saying. Yeah. Captain Matthew Webb's widow, because he died in the meantime, his widow said, I'm so glad someone's done it for a second time because all these years, 36 years, a lot of people were really suspicious. Said but you cannot swim the channel. Yeah. Matthew Webb must have cheated. And she said, I'm really glad someone's done it again. So that was a case of a second wow. coming along and helping the first. But Bill Burgess from Rotherham, yeah. as he swam across the channel, it took 18 hours or whatever it was, 20 drops of champagne per hour he drank. And per, per hour? Per hour, and, quote, not a drop more. <laughs> he And I love the thought of the bloke in the boat with the pipette measuring out 20 drops of champagne. That's what Bill Burgess drank. He wore goggles. Matthew Webb hadn't worn goggles. Bill yeah. Burgess decides he needs to wear goggles. He wears motorcycle goggles, which oh. start to leak and yeah. let the salt water in. And um, he was just, you know, that sort of story, those little details. It's almost Michael Palin ripping yards. Covered in the if he'd been the first guy, we'd know all about this, but he was the second. You never heard Goose of Goose fat? Covered in goose fat? He did try and rub something in, but it, there's a story. Yes, there is something in the book, which I've now annoyingly forgotten, but okay. I'll look it up for you. Well, I've not read he it yet. He did. Neither, neither have I. No. I'm, he, um, I'm finishing my Carly Simon book. And then, uh, yeah, and then I'm, then I'm going yeah. to... I'll lend it to you. Cat at lent some it to point, me. I'm going to try and do two things at once, and we'll carry on rabbiting. Well, I'll look. There is something about how he tried to rub it in, but he, he, there was something to do with it. It was, a, it was We're going to take... This is what's going to happen. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to get that story. Jimmy's going to have tweeted me the answer to that question, and we're going to speak to Alan Caddick. This is, this is unprecedented. Uh, 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. 0344 499 1000. It looks like Dictionary Corner over there with you two in a huddle. <laughs> um, right, so let's have the computer up, please. So, the um, question that Jamie set us was, uh, who was the last non-league football team to reach the FA Cup final? Well, Jamie seems to have disappeared, because he's not given us the answer. But do we, we now... It's like boys who throw a stone at a window and got run it. away. Have okay. you got it? He's who is it? got in touch with me. Oh, okay. It was Southampton in 1901-02 season, when they were members of the Southern League. Was they? Well, well, well. They was. They well, was. That was, that that was, was fun. fun. Now, now, before we're, we're, so the second thing on the list was you were going to tell us about the... about him smearing himself in lard. Here we go. Bill Burgess, second man to swim the channel, and actually our first caller probably covered himself in lard at some point. So this this is, ties in very nicely. His six foot, fifteen stone body was smeared with lard, but quotes, owing to the hot sun, I was unable to put on more than one pound instead of the usual three or four pounds. <laughs> he would have cooked. <laughs> he would have cooked. <laughs> Um, put your headphones on, uh, uh, Mark, and follow the lead around if you want to adjust the volume, because we've got Alan Caddick has, uh, has called in. Good evening, Alan. Hey, Mark. Hello, Alan. You're very excitable tonight. Well, it's Thursday night, middle of the weekend. It's very blowy in Birmingham. <laughs> Ooh, all good things. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to say, Alan? Well, I'm more with what we talked about last night with the wrestling. Okay, we were talking about American wrestling. I I was bemoaning the fact, Mark, that I wasn't wasn't into American wrestling when I was a kid. And at the weekend, I I bought a WWE 2016 video game for my kids because it was a couple of quid. I loved it. absolutely loved it. So so go on then, Alan. What would you like to add to the conversation? I want to say... I was watching WOS wrestling on the weekend. Oh, that's that's the world of sport wrestling. That's the British wrestling, is it? That Not brought because back. I didn't enjoy that. It's a new generation. Okay. Grado. Say, just say that again, but try in English. 
It's the new generation. The new generation. So it's, it's, so it's World of Sport Wrestling, the next gen. Yeah. So it's like Big Daddy Junior, um, uh, yep. Sheena Haystacks. You got British Bulldog Junior. Oh, they, I've actually put the word Junior well, at the have, end. Yes. Is, who, uh, who's the equivalent of Dickie Davis? That's what I want to know. No, we got. Who's no, the presenter? You mean Ken Walton, the commentator? No, no, yeah, well, Ken Walton, of course. Oh, these names from our childhood. No. Not the commentator, Dickie Davis. Who's presenting it? Well, we've got three commentators. Yeah, not again. Not the. I'm going to. Let me step in, Mark, because I think he, he understands me better. <laughs> uh, not the commentators. Who was presenting it? There's no presenter. There's wow. three commentators. How modern? Oh, okay. How modern? Okay. And and is there is there a Kendo Nagasaki equivalent? Who's there's, there's this guy called Crater. Crater. Does he play the drums as well as Kendo? No. That was Kendo's um, thing. I remember. It, 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 uh, Did he play the drums? He was a drum. Not not. Not as part of his wrestling necessarily, but he was a really good drummer. I bet you can remember Big Daddy's real name. Shirley Crabtree. Come oh, on, Mark, please. This is the basics. Please. Thing. What are you talking about? What was Giant uh, Haystack's real name? Uh, I'll answer guess. that in a second. <laughs> just talking to, talking to my caller, please. I've got a question for your guest. Go, oh, a question. It's not, by the way, I mean, Mark right, writes these books and they're full of trivia and facts, but it's he's not like um, the memory. What was the name of the memory guy? Dominic somebody. The guy with the moustache. Remember, you remember the memory guy? You no, I'm mixing it up with the guy in the 39 steps. No, not not <clears throat> um, Awesome Worlds. It was a guy that could you could show him a deck of cards, and he would remember the deck of cards. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so it, it, you can ask him, but he, you know, he, pro- he might not know. How heavy oh. was John Haystacks? Oh well, we can have a guess. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go twenty stones. He must oh no, 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 more than twenty stones. Really? I, I, on a bad day, I'm, I'm pushing sixteen. <laughs> he wasn't four stone heavier than me. Okay, I am go gonna go. Are we doing it in stones, Alan? In stones. All right. You're saying you're saying twenty, Mark? Is that well, now that you said that, you're right, absolutely right. I'm gonna go thirty now that you said. No, twenty-five. I'm going. Thirty. He'd be dead. 25. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go twenty-seven stone, Catherine. Uh, I reckon. 23. Okay. Well, what's the answer, Alan? 40 stones. Get stuffed. <gasps> that is that is not true. Yeah. Can you tell me your sources, please? Uh, when, when he wrestled Big Daddy yeah. in 1981, he weighed in at 40 stones. Didn't... Um, by the way, when I said, can you tell me your sources, you should have said Big Daddy source. <laughs> Big Daddy killed a man, didn't he, in the ring? He, he Daddy splatted someone. Daddy splat. Um, and it, it killed. It, it, That's a very specialist term. Ian. <laughs> the daddy splat was where he would he would just he would jump on someone. Easy, easy. But it, I think he killed someone. I'm pretty sure of that. That's been written out of the history book. Alan, thanks for your call. Thank you. There we go. Um, we will talk about your book in a minute. But I was going to say, I wish there was a second wrestler in it that I could drag it back to the book with. But tragically, there isn't. Malcolm um, Kirk. Malcolm Kirk. Who? Giant Haystack. Is the one that got squished. Okay. He died, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. I like the way Mark always sounds surprised when I get something right. <laughs> <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Um, right. We've got some questions for you. Um, do you well, Do you know who shot JFK? Uh, well, is he a conspiracy theorist? Is that what we're It was a woman. Oh, Sally. Okay. I know who the two famous British authors who died on the same day that JFK was shot. Go on. C.S. Lewis. And Aldous Huxley. Not that Aldous Huxley was British, but the two famous authors. Wow. Aldous Huxley, C.S. Lewis. Both of them, if they died on any other day, would have been guaranteed yeah. pages and pages and pages of yeah. coverage. They chose the 22nd of November 1963 to die. The same day as JFK. That's the same thing happened with Michael Jackson and Farrah Fawcett Majors. Of course, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's Michael good. Jackson would have been 60 the other day, by the way. Yep. Where do we stand with Jackson? You can't listen to Jackson anymore, can no, you? No, I'm out. Yeah. It's, um... Thriller's a great album. 
It's great, and it was the first album I ever bought, but I just can't. Oh, it comes on the radio the whole, now, I have to switch it off. It is, of course, the best-selling album ever. Do you know what the second best-selling album ever is? <laughs> All right. This, this actually is... is in the book, but I'd be really intrigued. Knowing that Ian hasn't read the book, and knowing that he likes his music, and knowing you like your music, mm-hmm. I'd be intrigued. As to, do you know the right, answer? It's, it's, one of, I've got, it's one of two. Go on. It's either Rumours by Fleetwood Mac, or it's the Eagles' greatest hits. Is it Sergeant Pepper? No. Um, I don't know then. It's a British. It's an Australian rock band with sort of British members. Oh. Well, the only the only two Australian bands I can think of are In Excess and the Easy Beats, and it ain't neither of them. No. It's not. It wasn't the. the and it depends. Before anyone, if anyone wants to tweet about this, this obviously record companies claim lots of different things, yeah. and you'll see different versions, but. Most of the authoritative lists say that Thriller has sold about 65 million copies. Yeah. This album has sold about 50 million. It's not million the album copies. that had the marriage theme for Jason and Kylie, was it? St- Angry Anderson. Angry Anderson. It's not Angry Anderson's <laughs> album, is it? No. No? Funnily enough, no. It's What's not. the answer, Mason? It's Back in Black by ACDC. Oh, okay. okay. There we go. And the bell at the beginning of it that opens Hell's Bells. Yeah. Boom, boom. They wanted to record. The bell, and I love the fact that it's Loughborough. Yeah. That oh wow. Loughborough's War Memorial Tower has yeah. a bell called the Denison Bell for some reason. Yeah. They wanted to record that bell, so they sent out the mobile recording unit. Uh-huh. By definition, you're only going to record that bell when it goes off. Yeah. Every time it went off, the pigeons that were nesting on the tower fluttered away, so thereby the ruining the recording. Yeah. So they were a rock band in 1980. What did they do? They had their own bell made. Wow. I thought you were going to say they fired a gun before the bell went off to scare the pigeons. It would have been easier, wouldn't it? You see? Flipping idiots. If Ian had been in charge of ACDC's mobile recording unit in would That would never happen because um, the the Brian Johnson, Johnston, Mm. the singer. No, I I know your history with Brian Johnson. We didn't Let's not go there. By the way, if anyone's tweeting that it's 19... I know the album was 1980. I deliberately said 1979 because that's the year before. That's when they were recording it. Uh, um, Billy says, please ask uh, Mark... Which football league club in the 1980s? <laughs> Shit, this has got absolutely nothing to do with this book at all, which we will get to. Which football league club in the 1980s shared the same kit sponsor Zanussi as Real Madrid? Oh, Again, I don't, I don't have the answer. Great question. Just because Mark knows some facts doesn't mean he knows all facts. That's beautiful. I'm going to stall for time by okay. saying that what, Billy, does, what does the Real in Real Madrid mean? You, you, well, we're talking to. The woman who's lived in Zaragoza, so that she'll know that Real Zaragoza has the same meaning. Yeah. What does it mean? Royal. Okay. Um, and same ne- as real tennis. Everyone thinks that real tennis is the proper, proper version tennis. of tennis that existed before lawn royal. tennis. No, it means royal. Um, wasn't uh, Penguinland says wasn't Bannister's mile race specially arranged before Landy's as they knew Landy was going to break the record? I don't know. I haven't. I didn't find that in the research. If he's got anything on that, I'd love to hear. Okay. Yes. Let's, 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 let's go on. You've, let's... Earned, you've, earned your, you've earned your advert now. You've got you've <laughs> 30 minutes of absolute guff. Um, so the book, Mark Mason, The Book of Seconds. The next break, I'm going to tweet the hell out of this. Um, I love your books because I remember when we got Mark on yes. to talk about, which book was it when we were at Three Counties that we got him wasn't to? It the, wasn't it the, the postcode one? Might have been because he sold it to me and he was like, "Is this guy no. who writes facts about postcodes?" Cat's uh, oh, okay. kind of face was, "Are you sure you want to get this guy?" I said, "No, no, no. I've spoken to him before. There was once on Three Counties when it wasn't about the book. It was about was one of my. I'd written a piece yep. in a, a magazine or whatever about something you were talking about, and you happened to see it. Yes. So you got me on, and Ian didn't know when you put me through. He, he said, he Mark went, "And now talking about this is Mark," and you went. 
Is this the Mark Mason? Yes, I do remember. That was funny. But your face, your face, stop trying to deflect. When I said we want to get a guy on to talk about a book about postcodes, like, oh man, okay, this is your. I did my mank face, it drives him nuts. And then it was was good, you see, wasn't it? This this is the thing. The, the, The books are really funny. And interesting. There's often a personal journey in the books. Is there one in... There isn't, actually. This is an exception. Normally they had to travel books. Yes, like we said, the the, the tube book is me walking the whole tube system overground. The London... The the bus book was Land's Entity on a Great by Local Bus. The one I was on last year talking about Question Time, the last book, that was me going around the country going to different quizzes. Yep. This one, I've sat on my backside and done the lot from home. Oh, good for you. Well, you deserve because, that. Because, well, frankly, I'm th- th- one of the entries is for Saturn being the second biggest planet <laughs> in the solar system. And all due respect <laughs> to my readers, I'm not going to go to Saturn today. But I did, I did love the fact that I found out that Saturn, yeah. nowhere near as big as Jupiter. Jupiter is so much bigger than all the other planets. If you put I'm all the planets... the links to your book while we're talking. If go you on. put all the pl- other, other planets together... Yeah. They're still something like only about half the size of Jupiter. That's that's how much bigger Jupiter is. Second wow. is Saturn, but I love Saturn because it's the only planet that's less dense than water. So if you could find a bath big enough, Saturn would float in it. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Second biggest planet in the solar system. The radio show where the owls are not what they seem. Do you or have you ever watched Twin Peaks? The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. We could be dreaming and meeting each other in our dreams. On Talk Radio. Excuse me. Oh, Dad. Hello, I'm Martin Kellner. And I'm his daughter, Ruthie. We do a podcast. It's called Ruthie, Me and My Dad. In which I tell him how he's wrong about most things. And I explain to her who the Bee Gees were. It's on Acast and Apple Podcasts. And all your favourite podcast providers. It's a unique generation gap conversation between a baby boomer dad... And his Generation Z daughter. That's Ruthie, Me and My Dad. Brand new episodes every Thursday. The radio show that knows truth is always stranger than fiction. Week Monday, I get shoes. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Because they're too real to be part of my imagination. On Talk Radio. And also K2, second tallest mountain. I wasn't going to go and climb K2 for the book, but I loved finding out the reason it's called K2. Yeah, why is it called K2? That range of mountains is called the Karakoram Range in the Himalayas. And the British, when they were mapping out that doing a survey of that area in the 19th century they called the two tallest peaks in that range k1 and k2 k1 actually has a local name it's been known for centuries as mashabrum for whatever reason mashabrum that's the local name k2 is so remote you can't see it from the nearest village so it's never had a local name so that's the reason it's still known as k2 just if you're following me on twitter you're just about to get hit with the links to um, get Mark's book, oh, I ballsed it up. There's something because oh, I've got numb, I've got very numb fingers in my left hand. Um, there we go. And because th- so th- th- this finger and half of this finger, it's a nerve. So th- th- these are numb, and it means that when I type, I sometimes miss. I don't, I don't oh. hit the keys properly, and it's just an absolute nightmare. So I'm, you're going to get hit with the correct tweet this time, guys. So you will, of course, know that stewardesses is the longest word on a keyboard that you can type only with your left hand. Yeah, I knew oh. that. I knew that. Yeah, I knew that. Of course, I did. Actually, a lot of those things aren't true. They always say that the typewriter apparently is the only is the longest word you can type on the top row, which I'm sure it isn't. And I've, I think I've seen that disproved. 
I do like the fact that there's only one US state whose name is spelt completely on one row of a QWERTY keyboard. It's, I mean, it's just let's, relentless, isn't it? Let's, it's relentless. Let's let the listeners see if anyone, first one in to tweet gets give us a, that. Give us that again. There's only one of the 50 US states yeah. whose name contains letters, all of which are on the same row of a QWERTY keyboard. And I love the fact that you and Catherine are now looking <laughs> at your <laughs> keyboards. <laughs> Utah. Trying to work it out. Utah, Utah, no, what's no, no because my, the, my listeners won't know this. They, they want to know who have a bit of faith, Ian. No, not in those, Luke. They listen to this rubbish, <laughs> they could be listening to LBC right now in a proper um discussion. <coughs> okay, what was what, what was the thing that when you, you were researching this that you kind of blew your mind? Oh, the most? well, I'm, I'm sure there's loads of things there, there, there are, is. there are loads of things. Um, I'm gonna, I saw. We just said off air that we were congratulating ourselves that we'd got 20 minutes through the programme with neither of us mentioning the Beatles. Yeah. I'm now going to mention the Beatles. I've just opened because, up on the page about the Beatles. Which, oh, because there is some stuff on like the second Beatles album. And there's a very complicated... Exp- if you, is that the second Beatles I've album? I've got Max Martin here. Oh, no. Second yeah, well, highest s- number of Billboard Hot 100 yes, chart-topping singles. After Lennon and McCartney, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, the that. Beatles also crop up in an entry that I did on the second sentences, because it's, it's really famous. It crops up in quizzes all the time. Yeah. Um, it was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13. It's famously the first sentence of 1984 yes. by George yeah. Orwell. So I thought, what's the second sentence? Oh. So I looked it up. And it's about Winston Smith um, walking into Victory Mansions, yeah. which is his block of flats where he lives. Victory Mansions was based on the f- block of flats that George Orwell used to live in, in St. John's Wood, called Langford Court. If it weren't for the trees on the right-hand side of the Abbey Road cover, you'd yeah. be able to see Langford Court. There you go. Langford Court is where the flat, block of flats where George Orwell lived in when he was working in the BBC, living in London, is on the cover of Abbey Road. I mean, technically it's on the cover because it's hidden, it's behind, hidden some behind some trees. But if it weren't for those trees, you'd be able to <clears> see it. Fantastic. Isn't it? Isn't it? The thing is... Also, the thing is, there's nothing to say to that. Just, <laughs> but there isn't. No, you That's just, why I make great radio. I kill it, stoned it. <laughs> no, you don't at all. But you, I just kind of have to absorb it and go. It's beautiful. Wow. And I, it's it's those weird things of of sort of two things coming together yeah. that you wouldn't put together. That's the basis of comedy. Yeah. That's the basis of you know if any sort of a lot of comedy is based on completely incongruous things coming together. Mm. And that's why puns are so delightful. Is they put two yeah. completely. Or they can be. They put two completely incongruous things together. And it's things like this, you know, people that come into the story. And also the really, really silly little details in really serious stories. One of my favourite ones was a guy called Peter Norman, who was the guy who came second in the final. Just open it on a great page. You do that in a second. I'll do this. Came second (laughs) in the final of the 200 metres at the 1968 Mexico Olympics. Yeah. And he was a white Australian runner. And the reason you've never heard of him is not just that he came second, but the gold medal was won by uh, a guy called Tommy Smith. Mm. The bronze medal was won by a guy called John Carlos. They were the two black American runners who did the black power salute on the podium. Peter Norman, white guy who came second, you can understand why he doesn't sort of fit with the narrative. They were the ones that did the salute for a start. He he stood there. He didn't do the power salute, but he put on a little badge, a black power badge that someone had given him. And he said, I really want to help. As they were walking out for the presentation ceremony, he said, I really want to help you guys. And this is the the beautiful little silly bit in the really serious story. They meant to, the black power salute is you raise your right hand. They had a black pair of gloves each so they could each put on the the, the right hand glove right black glove give the power salute john carlos forgot his pair of gloves oh, no. <laughs> on the way out they realize 
They've only got one pair of gloves between them. It was Peter Norman who suggested, he said, well, why don't you just wear one glove each? Yeah. So if you look at it closely, you'll see that John Carlos is actually lifting his left hand, oh, not his right that. hand. It's one of those famous photos. And I read that. I thought, that can't be true. I looked at the photo. Absolutely true. You see it with so Go on that Google image. Yeah. That's why the reason he's holding the left one. Isn't that funny? The page I just opened it at, Close Encounters of the Second Kind. Oh. I mean, come on. So what is that? That's... Because is, is, isn't Close Encounters of the Third Kind Aliens. mistitled? Is, is that actually a third kind? Well, no, it's based on a real non-fic- uh, non-fiction book in the early 70s. This American guy, I forget his name now, you can probably see it. Is it Whitley Stryber? It's, no. No, because he's the guy, he's, there's a film based on Whitley Stryber. He was the guy that was abducted by, that was abducted by aliens. And um, Communion, I think his, book was, his film was called. Oh, okay. Right. No, this is 1972. J. Allen Hynek, yeah. H-Y-N-E-K, was an American astrophysicist. And he was... I think he was quite sceptical himself about UFO sightings. But he decided he wanted to bring some academic rigour to it. Yes. Sorry. Just to investigate it properly. And he came up with three classifications for encounters with UFOs. The book was called The UFO Experience, A Scientific Inquiry. He suggested that close encounters, three different groups. The first would be sightings less than 500 feet away. The second would be events involving a physical effect impressions in the ground a chemical trace interference in the functioning of some equipment or whatever the third kind would be encounters in which an alien creature was actually present right okay and Spielberg read that and he thought that's the thing to make the film about is the third kind where they actually do and Hynek himself is in the film at the end when the when the the craft are flying around he's one of the people looking up at them Mackenzie Crook's favourite film some film I didn't see it until a few years ago some movie even now it stands up Everyone's shouting Alaska at yes. us. Uh, and they're absolutely correct. Katie is saying, and Katie is correct to say this, but it's not the answer to the question, you can make Oklahoma on a QWERTY keyboard. You can do all of the states on a QWERTY yeah, think, keyboard. Yes. You can do all of them, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But thank you for letting us know you can... We, we now know you can definitely do Oklahoma. Also, the Zanussi question. Yeah. Gillingham. Sorry? Oh, Gillingham FC. Oh, it's it's the thing. The, the sports questions are the, the dull. They're dull. It's dull, dull people. No disrespect. <laughs> Respond to them. Um, oaths, we've got another uh, 15, 20 minutes with Mark. Mark Mason, whose book is The Book of Seconds, 03444991000. This is Talk Radio. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. Um, after 11... We're going to talk to Snarl about the Croydon cat killer. Yeah, I mean, the Met reckon it was a fox all along. I don't believe it's a cover-up. Snarl don't believe that. It's a cover-up. It's a cover-up. There's definitely a pervert going around killing cats. Well, I heard uh, one of the victim's owners on the news earlier on saying, well, unless a fox has got a mallet and a knife, then it's not a fox. I'm not buying that at all. I I I don't trust, as you know, I don't trust Popo. Um, so, do you reckon the police have looked and gone it's a bit hard this I just it, say it's foxes no, I shall tell you what I think seriously I think it's a copper that's doing it <laughs> they know that one of their own is decapitating cats and it's a cover up it's a cover up Mark you should be writing ITV dramas thank you I should be writing ITV news <laughs> <laughs> Mark Mason is here well, what are you on Twitter you're a funny you're a funny old uh... at walk the lines LDN okay Cause, cause the... actually I've been you thinking can, of you changing can change it. you, you can, can change it should I be I don't know I should change well, well let's you... not do the business stuff on air but well, I've been thinking change it to your name or change it to the new well, book well, 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 then you have to change it every time you bought a new book out actually, yeah which would be okay can, you can yeah of course you what's your problem bit lazy 
You can, you can type Oklahoma on a keyboard, you can change your name. Apparently, you can type the names of all 50 US states on a the, keyboard. I've just that. tried it out. I definitely can do Kansas. Um, what, all of it? The book? Oh, that's a, that's a terrible... And yet typical. Well, yeah. And deserved, actually. Well deserved. Well. The Book of Seconds, the incredible stories of the ones that didn't quite win... Um, Okay, and on the uh, ah, you very handily. There's pictures on the cover. Very handily, we've got the second female MP to take her seat in the House of Commons, the second million pound transfer, the second postage stamp issued, the second metro system in the world. Where that was, was my favourite one. Actually, uh, within the last couple of hours, I was having a drink with my editor and my agent, and I deliberately asked the the guy because you never get to, as an author, you never get to meet the people who do the covers. Right. And I made a point of he's this guy. Do you not have any Steve, say in the covers? Oh yeah, I have a say, oh, and okay. it's always but it's always my editor that emails it to me. Right. Like, what do you think right. of this? And I go, oh, I like it, and, uh, and you sort of knock it about between yourselves. But I never actually got to meet the guy who does the covers, and he's done brilliant covers for my last three books, which have been with this publisher. So I said, can I meet him? And so Steve came along, and we had a really nice chat. And I said, I promise you. Steve, he's a middle-aged guy like us, so he, he understood what I was saying, that this is a nerdy thing, but he yeah. understood what I was saying. I love the fact that you're the man that found a copy, uh, the picture of a ticket from the Budapest Metro. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. There it's it on is. the book, the book um, next someone, to Someone, Davey says... Hi, now, Davey is either visually impaired or lazy. We don't know, and I don't want to make any judgments. Or has he got numb fingers? Hi, guys. Will there be an audiobook ah. of the Book of Seconds? Ah, well, there's been... There have been, yeah, a couple of audiobooks of uh, my books. So, who knows? Which, do you know the name of the company that does audiobooks? For, or some of them? It's not the same people that do porn for the blind, is it? Which it's, is a real thing. Oh, let's not No, there. We've, oh, we've, we've, we've been, been there. there. We've been there many yeah, times. No, <laughs> no, go on. Who does it? It's a company called Isis. Uh, oh, see the good and, and good and bad of I know it's it's lovely them. that my books have been done by ISIS. Wow. Anyway, um, you asked me a question there, and I've forgotten what it is I now. Can second, you remember what it I is? I remember what it was. It was second uh, record on uh, ah one. yes, second re- record on Radio One. And of course, Catherine, knowing her trivia, instantly said that the first record on Radio One was Flowers in the Rain by the Move. Yeah. And you know the story about how they, the Move never actually made any money from that. No. Because I they. Yeah. Well, the, the the contrasting fortunes of because the, the, the answer to the second one is Massachusetts by the BB by the Bee Gees was the second record ever played on radio. Wow! One. And then a few it's again these bizarre things that if you put it in a novel, no one would believe it. A few weeks after that record came out, and was the second song ever played on Radio One, it got uh, yeah it got to number one in the UK, yeah. and it was the Bee Gees' first number one in the UK. The day that it got to number one, Robin Gibb was involved in the Hither Green train crash, which is one of London's worst ever train crashes, yeah. in which 67 people were killed. Wow. Again, if you put that sort of detail in a film, songwriter gets his first, dreamed of having a number one single, gets it. Yeah. He's involved in a massive train crash on the same day. Yeah. You just wouldn't believe it. All these things that... That's why I love writing non-fiction. I used to write novels. If something hap- happened like that and you found out about it, and a friend would say, put that in your next novel. You go, no, no one would believe it. Remind me why The Move didn't make any money from that song. I do know the story, but I can't remember it. It's because their manager decided on the cover of the single, which in those days, youngsters won't believe that you actually had to physically buy a copy of every song on a different item of technology, the vinyl thing. On the cover, he included various, there were various... um, slightly libelous images, one of which involved Harold Wilson, right, yeah. the Prime Minister. Wilson sued. Uh. And virtually every penny that the band would have made from the single forever yeah. went, not to Wilson himself, he was doing it just to make a point, to a charity. Brilliant. So it still goes to, um, to charities, even now when that song's played on the radio, oh, the charities that Wilson nominated 
still get the royalties. Have from you it. ever done a radio show? Because I'm th- I'm sitting here <clears> thinking. I'd, do you know what? I'd like to go home now and listen to this on the way home. <laughs> I would. I, I really, really would, because I find all of this fascinating. I've done the odd thing. I did, um, yeah, I've done some radio shows. And I love doing it because of you never know where it's going to go. Yeah. That's the tangents. That's the thing we always talk about. Yeah. Is that conversations on air and off air that we always have. You just, within a few seconds, you've gone from, you know, a 1970s wrestling reference mm. to some pop reference. And you just keep going. And it's beautiful that you're, you're moving around. And it's all great stuff but you're not sticking on anything for yeah. too long. You know? um, Roberto has called in, so if you put your headphones on, let's on, go Roberto. to Roberto. Good evening, Roberto. Hello, Ian. Hello, Mark. Hello, Roberto. And um, up yours, Catherine. Whatever. That's what he's saying. Oh, sorry, I didn't realise you were still in. I sorry. am just being very quiet. <laughs> um, first, I want to say thank you so much for doing this interview. It's really perked me up on a Thursday night. I'm really enjoying it both sides. I'm glad um, you're so perky. <laughs> really um, insightful, so thank you very much. Yeah. Um, I've got a question, um, Mark, about how I can get your book. Um, I believe you can purchase it on the internet. Just wondering, oh. your book, this one and the other ones as well, are there, is there any way I can get the e-books that are available on a non-Amazon Kindle device? Because oh. my device doesn't like DRM. Oh, that's a very technical question. Do you know what? I had someone emailed me from America the other day, an American woman who was trying to get the e-book. And I'd always been telling people, yeah, the e-book's available. And as far as I know, it is. But she was saying on the American version of Amazon, she couldn't see right. it for some reason. Um, so maybe it's the same same problem. <laughs> I'd, I'll gladly email, drop me a line. Um, I'll gladly put you in touch with people at my publishers who know well, all about R- that sort Roberto, of thing. Roberto, what I'm, I'm happy to do is I'm happy to take a picture of each page <laughs> <laughs> and just send that over. Would that help? Of every book? Of, ev- <laughs> of every single book in the world, not just the ones that Mark has written. That sounds lovely. I look forward to it tomorrow. Thank you, mate. Ta-ta. Um, who do you think deserves more recognition than they get then? Obviously, quite a few of the people in here. But yeah, is there, I love is there, is, Who is the person that you think we should all know about? The most, but we don't. I think Peter Norman is my favourite, the, the, the Australian the guy with the, the two black athletes. He's the one that, in terms yeah. of it, in terms of it, just the, the injustice yeah. of what happened. I mean, they themselves uh, rectified it. They they always went around that John Carlos and Tommy Smith for the rest of their lives always said, "Don't forget about Peter Did Norman." They really when they were interviewed, they went to, and he got a load of because this is fifty years ago. Remember, yeah, race yeah. relations all around the world are very different from the way they are now. In Australia, very very white society. Obviously, they got you know the Aboriginal question Huge there, racism, but in really, terms yeah. of you know two black American guys, he goes home and he's the white Australian guy that stood up with them. He got a load of flack for yeah. the rest of his life. He died about ten years ago. They both flew over from America for his funeral. Did they, really? they said, um, and they were always asked about him. They said he didn't raise the fist, but he sure helped a hand. You know, they they stuck up for him. And so, in terms of the slightly pious, pompous yeah. answer no, to that's your a question, great is answer. that is that? But in terms of the other ones, um, I don't know. I think. I like the ones of the people that you are just, there's nothing really about them that's important, but it's incredible that they're not known. Second prime minister. You ask most people, even that aren't that interested in politics, a lot of people will know that Robert Walpole was the first prime minister. I wouldn't have known that. Kath, would you have known that? But Now that I say the name, you'll have heard the name. I've heard the name, yeah. So that's it. Second guy, and this is when I knew this was... Nobody knew about this. Is that yeah. I mentioned it to my editor. Now my editor knows everything about everything. Right. He's just, you know, if you think I know a lot of facts, go and we're speaking to the wrong guy. I managed. In fact, I'm going to mention it on air. Just I very rarely get the chance to boast that I knew about something that Alan didn't. But Alan was at the drink tonight that we yeah. were having, and he misquoted a statistic, which I corrected on. <laughs> which, which I'll do in a minute because it is one of my favourite stats, and I'm sure a lot of people know it. But and it's nothing to do with the second. So I'll finish the second thing first. The second prime minister. 
when we we'd first had the idea for the book, I'd gone away and done a bit of research. And then I said to Alan, OK, then, second prime minister. And he went and he opened his mouth as if he because he, he knew that he knew a lot about lots of prime ministers. And he opened his mouth. He went, God, you know, I don't know. Mm. And I thought, hang on, if Alan doesn't know it, then yeah. it's a guy called the Earl of Wilmington. Yeah. He was the second prime minister. Robert Walpole, as well as being the first prime minister, served for 20 years. Uh, Wilmington comes along. He's the second one. He did about 18 months before he died. Right. And he didn't really achieve anything. He's not known for anything. But I love the fact that his stately home, his country house in the Midlands, Warwickshire, um, I forget what it's called, but it's the it's the Wilmington's family home and has yep. been for centuries, uh, not only appeared in Carry On Camping as a monastery, oh, man. it also was the inspiration, just to bring it back to video games, it was the inspiration for Croft Manor, which was Lara Croft's <laughs> childhood home in no. the Tomb Raider games. No. Um, but the fact that Alan got wrong... Have I, I, we might have done this before. Yeah. I, I just live in this, this this universe where once in a while I turn up in Ian Lee's radio studio and we have the same conversation about the Beatles. This isn't about the Beatles. This is about how many people you have to have gathered together in a room before it becomes more likely than not that two of them will share a birthday. It's not that Do many. You know this one? It's not that many. And I tried. I think I tried to explain this fact before, and you weren't buying it. Isn't it something... It's like 13 or something. It's, uh, I know why you said 13. It's actually 23. 23. There you, you go. You think of... You th- your instinct is to say, right, there are 366 possible dates yeah. if you include a leap year, and so let's halve that. Let's say it's 183. Yeah. So it's 23. And the instinctive way to explain it to people is, let's say I'm the first person in the room. You walk in. Yeah. The odds that you share my birthday are one in 366. There we go, yeah. Well, it's slightly less because yeah. of the... Anyway, let's say one in 365. Catherine walks in next. Catherine is, has got a one in 365 chance of sharing my birthday as well. So you think that now we're up to two in 365. Yeah. That's the, the odds on one of you two sharing my birthday. But don't forget, so there is, if you like, around. the third side of the triangle. There's yeah. a chance that you could share each other's birthday. Yeah. So that's, let's say that's three sides of a triangle. Fourth person turns up. You've got the four sides of the square plus the two diagonals in terms of joining everyone else up with everyone else to increase. You know, that's the number of possibilities. My head is about to explode. But once the... you get to imagine, then, a yeah. 23-sided shape, yes. all of whose points are joined to all of it. All the other points yeah. with diagonals. Think of that as a visual image. There are so many possible connections yeah. there. That, yeah, it's, and the way it was proved, just to tie it back to your favourite subject of football yet again. Oh, a couple of World Cups ago, being a fan of the beautiful game, and you'll be more than familiar with the fact that the World Cup squad size, the yeah. number of players a country is allowed to take to a World Cup, is 21. 23. Three, oh, 20, 23. I'm, I'm close. It's close. Thank you. And so somebody realised, hang on, the birthday paradox, as it's known, yeah. is that this is the number of people you have to have gathered together for two of them to share a birthday. Or the, the, to become more likely than not yeah. that two of them will share a birthday. It's 50, 50 point something percent probability. That's also the squad size for the World Cup. They went through the 32 squads in the World Cup, the 32 countries, and they found that 16 of them had two players who yeah, shared a birthday. So fantastic. it showed that... We've got a minute or so left. G, very quickly, what have you got? I just got really confused after triangles. OK, well, th- <laughs> thanks for your call. What, who was the second bass player for the Beach Boys? Oh, now you're on to your area of expertise. Yeah, I just wondered I'm if you never... knew that one, Mason. Who's the second bass player no, for I the don't... Beach Boys? Who was it? Glenn Campbell. Oh, you got oh, one. Oh, that's beautiful. When Brian Wilson had a little breakdown and said, I can't do it no more, 
Uh, they they got Glen Campbell in to to fill in for six months on tour. Oh, and now asked. we're going to get onto all the records that Rick Wakeman played on. I didn't know until the other day. Is morning, this true? He played broken by um, Cat, Cat Stevens. Stevens yeah. yeah. Um, he, apparently, he's on. Um, There's no one quite like Grandma by the St Winifred School Choir. Yeah, which I never. He's knew. on the Lou Reed's. He's on Perfect Day, I think, isn't he? Is that he? that's him? Uh, is it? Uh, he's on. Um, you carry you on. know the story about him being on the beginning of Get It On by T Rex. Yeah about Rick Wakeman paying him £8. If you listen to the beginning of, um, of, of Get It On by T-Rex, it's the guitar starts it. And then as the band come in, there's just this glissando on the piano. The piano goes, gee, from all the high notes down to the low notes. Mark Boland paid Rick Wakeman to turn up and do it. And the studio fee in those days was eight quid. And Rick Wakeman realised that it was just him going, Zzz. and he said to Mark Boland, he said, you could have done that. A, a kid could have done that. Why have you paid me to do it? Mark Bellin said, I knew you needed the money because you're hard up at the moment. I, could, I would have given you the eight quid, but yeah. you wouldn't have taken it. So he insisted on giving wow. him the gig. To it me. was Mick Ronson on Perfect Day. I had my doubts there, but still. Um, Mark, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you, Ian, we, as ever. I love it. Mark Mason, The Book of Seconds, The Incredible Stories of the Ones That Didn't Quite Win. You can get it on Amazon, all the usuals. Where, you, what's your website? If people my website is theimportanceofbeingtrivial.com. And the Twitter is at WalkTheLinesLDN. Yeah. And there's loads, there's loads of other books as well. And honestly, if you're going to go on Amazon and buy this one, you can probably get the others for pennies these days. Oh. That's how it works. Go and buy the others. because They you'll, pay you to, to you, take it off their hands. It'll be, it'll be, you, you, you'll not regret it. I love these. Whenever Mark brings out a new one, it's always a pleasure. So nice to see you, man. Likewise, Ian. Thank Safe you for having me home. Thank me. you very much indeed. 0344-499-1000 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Is it a bent copper that's chopping off the heads of cats? We'll reveal all after the news. Experience the unconventional. Hello. The unpredictable. Don't you think that's a bit weird? And the completely unorthodox. It was my birthday. With rule-free Ian Lee. Uh, I was just trying to generate a bit of content. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Hate alarm clock. Hate going to work. On Talk Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.